everyone. I am Farah Kimji, and you are listening to the Futura Talks podcast. I believe the future will be built by those who see opportunity where others see uncertainty. It will be built by people that don't look like the traditional leaders of our past, but by women and individuals from diverse backgrounds that see the world differently and who are driven to make it better for all. This podcast will feature these people, self-made leaders and entrepreneurs that defy odds and are motivated to build a better future. We will also share practical advice for how you can unlock your full potential as the leader of your own Futura. Now, let's jump into today's episode. everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of Futura Talks. There are two simple but strong words that describe today's guest, Jill Donovan, perfectly passionate and purposeful. Jill is the founder of Rustic Cuff and author of The Kindness Effect. She is married to Terry, her college sweetheart, and has two beautiful daughters. Jill was was a practicing attorney and adjunct law professor at the University of Tulsa when her passion for cuff bracelets and her need to refill her gift closet led her to begin Rustic Cuff. Now, a sought-after motivational speaker, Jill encourages people to pursue their passions, fulfill their God-given purpose, and always pay it forward. From a young age, Jill has met life with humor and zeal. She is often heard saying, you can truly change your world one act of kindness at a time. I was actually fortunate enough to hear Jill deliver a keynote speech at a conference I attended in Chicago in September, where I was completely blown away by her story, her passion, and her purpose. I eagerly jumped up at the end of her talk and boldly asked her to join us on the podcast, and I have been beaming for the last two months because she said yes. So now I would like to welcome a woman who is doing her best to make a positive change in the world, one cuff at a time, Jill Donovan. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Farah. That was quite an introduction. I just, I want to carry you with me everywhere I go. (laughs) Well, you are quite a woman. So, um, you know, we're going to, we're going to jump right into all of that. And before we do, you know, I really love to learn about my guests, you know, back from when they were a child and, you know, before we get into your business. So tell me, you know, about your upbringing, what you were like as a child, and if you had, you know, entrepreneurial dreams back then. So I grew up in Baltimore, Maryland, and I think if you could describe my childhood, or if I could describe my childhood, I was just happy. Mm. I was, I didn't, there wasn't, there, there, even though there were some, there was some adversity, I think resilience, just of joy, just, I think I was born like that, actually. Really? I think people, mm-hmm, there were four of us and we were, you know, my mama would always say, you came out of the womb like that. And I wow. think I just came out happy, not in an annoying, happy way. There's annoyingly happy people. And you just, have a, you have a twin as well. Was your, was your twin also like this out of the womb? No, he, he, I don't think so. Like I actually kicked him in the womb. Okay. So you knocked it out of him. (laughs) I wounded his arm. Actually. He wound up having that surgery years later, but he just has a totally different disposition. Wonderful, but just a different disposition. So I, 
I really was, I just enjoyed every stage, every season. And I had very little, well, not very little. I had zero desire to ever become an entrepreneur. Okay. And I mean, as a matter of fact, I ran from that because all the people that I saw as entrepreneurs, which was not, not really part of my family, but anybody that I would see, I would think they they slave all day long uh, to their, they're slave to their job and, or to their, to their company. And I didn't want to be, I didn't want that to be part of my world. Got it. So I, I loved, I really, we moved to Pensacola, Florida, loved my, I just so enjoyed life. Wasn't so driven with this goal that I was going to become X, Y, Z. You were just enjoying life and not really maybe at that time thinking about what you were going to do in the future, it sounds like, or did you have an idea of the the path that you wanted to take, um, you know, maybe into high school? When I was younger, I had wanted to be an Olympic gymnast. Beyond okay. that, when that wasn't, when that didn't pan out. Beyond that, I think the only thing that I can really remember, I wanted to maybe be a news broadcaster until okay. I realized they had to get up at three in the morning. And then <laughs> I you yeah. could see how driven I was. <laughs> I didn't want to do it anymore. I was easily swayed. And yeah. I went to college without knowing what I wanted to do. I graduated from college without knowing what I wanted oh, interesting. to do. I went into all of my 20s. Have, it's so strange when I look back now at my kids who have a much stronger, or one of them at least, stronger desire to do something very specific. And I had, I didn't have that. I mean, it just, I just didn't, it wasn't part of who I was. I just, I was just living and enjoying and learning all about life. Well, I love that you shared that because I think a lot of us feel like we need to ha have it all figured out at that stage. And yeah. here you are, you know, years later and obviously very successful. So I think it's a good lesson to learn. Like we don't always have to have it figured out. And also things are going to pivot along the way. So actually tell us about that, right? Because you did eventually end up kind of following the path of law. So how did you end up doing that? So all the jobs that I had after going to school in Oklahoma, after going to university here, they were very nondescript. I wasn't even sure what my position was in these companies. Yeah. And, and they were all very, very long words to describe what I did. And I didn't had zero passion. And so at mm -hmm. one point I thought, I feel like I need a one word profession because that is what my, in my family, when you graduate from school, you go get an accountant, a banker, a doctor, lawyer, these things yep. that are just easily described by this one word. And I'd never done that. And so one year I thought, this is it. I'm, I think I'm all these years of not knowing what I am supposed to do and just sort of letting life happen. I'm going to take charge and I will become that one word attorney or lawyer. Mm -hmm. And so what I learned through that is I absolutely loved going to school and being a student. But when it comes to actually working, the thing I went to school for, it was just not my cup of tea. But I, because I just paid all that money to go to yeah. law school. I practiced law for a little bit and then went on to be another one word profession, a professor. Okay. And all, all of these things, when you're younger, you think when you get older, you're going to find your purpose and you are going to just know, and it's going, that's how it's going to be for the rest of your life. And I'm now in my thirties, not, <laughs> not now, not now in my story. Oh, I got mean, it. Yeah. 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 But I like how you laughed about that. Oh, sure you're <laughs> I, I mean, I know yeah. you've just had a very full life. Yeah. yeah. I started very young, but I'm in my thirties <laughs> and I'm thinking, why is it that there's not something burning inside of me to do? And I'd see people, yeah. 
They knew they wanted to be a nurse. They knew they were called to be a third grade teacher. Well, I, there's just not anything that is standing out to me. And I went to oh, eight years of school and you would think I would, I would yeah. be fulfilled in being an attorney or being a professor. And you just yeah. know when you know when you are in the center of doing something that you you don't have to say, I have to go do this. You actually get to say, I get to go do get this. Mm-hmm. And I had not experienced anything like that. Even after all of these years, you start feeling like you have wasted a lot of yeah. years and time doing things in your 20s and 30s going into your 40s that now have no purpose moving forward in your future. And, and so I, that's, I mean, there's a, there's a much longer story on the other side of it of how Rusty Cuff got started, but that takes me up to, you know, my thirties where I just was tired of not knowing what it was I was called to do. You know, you know what? I I love that you shared this because I actually really resonate with this. I, I like you spent, you know, I'm, I'm just about to enter my forties, like six months away. So, you know, for my twenties and thirties, I did the climb the corporate ladder, you know, did the one word job. I was an accountant. My sister became a lawyer and we both kind of got to our later thirties and her, for her, her, you know, early forties being like, this isn't, this isn't it. This, you know, those people who talk about like getting up and loving their job, like who are those people? What are they smoking? Right. Like I want some, because I don't know what that feeling is. And I feel so far away from it. So I really relate because it sounds like that's where you were, where you're like, what am I doing? And like, I'm not lit up by what, what I'm doing. It's obviously a lawyer, a professor are really great professions to have, but I, I'm not excited by them myself. So, you know, what, what happened with you then? I know you said there's a a lot between sort of that position to then starting Rustic Cuff, but what was going on, you know, in your life before starting Rustic Cuff and, and then what inspired the idea for it? So all the people that would say they loved what they did, Mm -hmm. I thought they were not possibly not telling the truth. Yeah. If you've never experienced something and you don't know how it feels, you think that other people must be making that up because you haven't been able to find it. Mm -hmm. And so I wanted to be around somebody that really was telling the truth and that really did know. And I would come home from my job every day. And that's all it was. That's what it was. Even though I loved, I did love the people I worked with, but it it doesn't matter if you love them. It's sometimes it's still just a job. I came home and I would watch Oprah on in the afternoons and I would look at her and think, you know what? There, there's somebody that knows what she, mm-hmm. what her gifting is and she's moving in her gifting. Mm-hmm. And I just thought I, I want to be near that. Yeah. Not that I wanted to move to Chicago. I just wanted to, to see it <laughs> tethered up. to that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I wanted to just see it up close and personal. And so mm. I tried for many years to get a ticket and that was, it's next to impossible. As a matter of fact, we're playing the one point, my office is playing the one point two billion dollar Powerball tonight. And I think we have a better chance of that than getting on the Oprah show. Yeah. Than, than getting a ticket to the Oprah show yeah. back then. After many attempts to get a ticket i i found out on her website that you could apply to be on the show and i didn't really care about being on the show that was not a priority for me but i thought well if that's going to get me a ticket to the show i i'll go that route since it's been years of trying to get a ticket and so i did i i looked and they were looking for people they were looking for several things but they were looking for people who who had some 
stories about regifting and just some funny stories about regifting and and it was a show on etiquette and so I thought well I'll give it a shot I grew up in a home that my, my parents were like experts at regifting in other words <laughs> mine they, too they, they, yeah they'd get gifts and they didn't want it or didn't know how to take it back and so they had this closet and so I had some really funny stories about how I had to go shopping in my parents regifting closet when it was my friend's birthdays. And I sat down and I wrote Oprah this letter. I wrote her an email. And within a couple of hours, they called back and said, we got your email. We loved it. We'd love to have you. We'd love to film you for the show. I mean, literally within two hours. Far wow. Like and you were like, all I had to do was do this to get on your show. Right. Okay. right. Yeah. And I didn't, and I didn't even really want, it wasn't about wanting Being to on be the on show. The show. Yeah. I just wanted to be up close and personal. So they, they flew to Tulsa. They filmed the gift closet. They interviewed me. It was this really fun thing. They flew me out to, to Chicago a couple of days later. I was living in Tulsa, Oklahoma, which is where I am now. Mm-hmm. And they they filmed, uh, they, they had me sit in the front row and they just, they weren't going to interview me because they had already uh, filmed, filmed your, your yeah, interview. filmed your closet. Yeah. And so right before the show started, they said, well, Oprah would like to have you on the couch with her and, and she's going to interview you now and you can oh tell your own stories. Were you and, like shaky? Like how, how did that feel? So there were 300 people in the audience yeah. but airing to 20 million people. It wasn't live taped, but yeah. I just decided, you know what? I will look at this. Like there are just 300 people in the audience and it happened so fast. You almost didn't have time to yeah. get nervous. And I thought it was going to be this just as fun experience. Now I want to be up close and personal and now I am up close and personal. Yeah. And the show started and Oprah, you know, she sat down and she just, she was nice. She just smiled at me and said, I love your shoes. And that was, that was basically it. Then the, they aired the clip and I just thought this is going to be amazing because now after all these years, I will find my get to, I don't know Mm -hmm. how, but I'm one step closer and Mm -hmm. had an anticipation and excitement that I had not had in a long time. Maybe it's like, if you're single and you go out on a date yeah. and you're holding so tightly just like, like I haven't had a date in so long. This has got to be the best date ever. Yeah. I'm marrying this guy and I've already taken his last name on. That is, yeah. that, that is how I felt about going to be around somebody who knew their get to. And mm-hmm. it went completely opposite of what I had oh, no. thought it was going to be. Now, mind you, it had only, this was all within like 72 hours. So it happened so fast. Yeah. But with as soon as they aired the clip, the etiquette experts, by the way, they were from Canada. I think I said that when in, at a conference. In Chicago. Yeah, you mentioned that. They were two girls from Canada and they said, uh, Oprah said, what do you guys think about Jill's gift closet and what she's doing? And I, I really sensed that they were going to say, we love her. She's just so fun. Yeah. She, um, What's not to like about me? <laughs> yeah. I mean, in my mind, this, we were all going to be very good friends. And in 10 seconds, they basically told me we were not going to be because yeah. they said that they thought that it was just, it was tacky and, and it was rude what I was doing. I mean, it really blew my mind how, how opposite it went. Yeah. About- especially because, you know, Oprah had the call out, they filmed your closet. You're on the stage with her. Like all of this is pointing to like, this is what I'm doing is amazing. Yeah. Yeah. And in five seconds, they're like, no, this is tacky. Essentially. And it had nothing to do with Oprah, really. It really was. And, and it happened to just be these girls' opinions, but I don't yeah. know that I was mature enough to, to be able to, and I was an attorney to be able to defend myself and say, okay, come on. Like, this is just something I'm doing for fun. So for, for many, many minutes, I think it was, it was something like 13 minutes. 
Wow. I sat on that stage and couldn't tell a single story. And I was just shocked at how it turned out. And so disappointed, not as much embarrassed, but, but more disappointed in this thing I had been hopeful for. And when you lose hope, you lose way more than you do your pride sure. when you're embarrassed. I, I, I can lose my pride all day long. I lost hope oh, and I, yeah. and I went home and um, I, I cleared my gift closet out and I just, I said, I really can't even imagine the purpose in what just happened in Chicago mm -hmm. because that could have gone a completely different way. And it could have been a special time. Why in the world did it go so wrong? Why didn't I have some inkling? I, I had so many questions and I, I think I said this in Chicago, but I had one moment of clarity in all of this mm -hmm. disappointment. And the moment of clarity I had was that somehow this thing that did an about face of what I thought it was going to be somehow that is going to have a much stronger purpose than had it been a wonderful fun 13 minutes on stage yeah so because I had that small hope it doesn't mean that I just bounced right back no. I think I yeah. I think I fell asleep on the inside for years okay um and I don't want to say died because that's a, that's a little much but I your light dimmed dimmed yeah. and like almost out it flickered and then it almost went out and it aired three times that year each time to oh a million people oh God. and so and every, uh, yeah yes, the reminder of of something that could have been something mm -hmm. it's painful yeah very painful and and I didn't want to tell people about it and I really what happens is when you lose hope for something that you a job you thought you were going to get or a friendship you thought was going to develop when you lose hope for it then you're like you said, your light is dim. You have less hope for the next thing because yeah. of what you just experienced. Now you, you guard yourself a little bit more to the point where if it happens again and again, you, you kind of, you just shut off any it thoughts. Can, it can go of, either way, right? Like if that yeah. had happened, then maybe you would have said, oh, now I can aspire to the next thing and the next thing. But when it doesn't, you're building the muscle in the, in the other way to say like, I don't have faith that Yes. The things that I want will happen, right? And we me. get stuck and we yeah. get really stuck. But the sad part is, is that you don't even know you're stuck because it becomes your new normal. Yeah. You're and just in this reality now of mm -hmm. the whole hum of life and you're not really like feeling excited by it, but that is, that becomes, yeah, I've been there. Like that just yeah. becomes your reality. So what, so what was it then that kind of got you out? Like what reignited the light within you? Because clearly it's lit right now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you for that. I, I think after a year, well, I, I took a sabbatical from teaching law and from practicing law. Mm -hmm. And I had two beautiful little girls, but even still on the inside, as much as I am crazy mad about them, just personally, that fire I had inside of me before to keep moving forward with hope, I, it was so quiet for years that one day I just couldn't take it anymore. The silence was, was really deafening because I, was that, did I say that metaphor, right? My husband says, I says, I say terrible metaphors. The, the silence, silence was deafening. I, am I think it's very powerful to say that because that means it's super silent. Everybody now knows yeah. that I don't know my metaphors really. <laughs> I got it. I got you. So I got you. I, five, five or more years later, I just in the middle of the night just said, I can't, I can't live like this anymore. I can't live without living, without truly mm -hmm. coming alive. And it doesn't matter how wonderful your spouse is or your children or the things around you. If internally you lost hope for something, 
You could be living in amazing beauty, but not have peace inside. And I didn't want to live like that. Just half, half sleep. And so I sat up in bed and I just said, you know what? I am going to forgive the two girls that I thought stole my dream. Because you look at the people that do things that cause things to do a 180 and you call them your dream stealers. And, mm-hmm. and internally, I, I was calling them my dream stealers, even though they're just part of this thing that yeah they're just doing their job right like maybe it's on their guidelines to say re-gifting is bad like who knows what they've written down somewhere else you know whatever yeah so I it became that became that thing for you right yeah yeah Yeah. and I just said I'm going to let it go and I I like literally sat up in bed and I said I just I let this go and I couldn't change anything and the minute I did it I know it's going to sound strange you know if you have something against somebody you're the one who's held in captive or captivity it's not them you're the one that's not free you're the one that's obsessed with whatever it is that they did or you're the one who they move on yeah oh yeah you're you're harboring it yeah and you're suffering yeah they might have done the thing but you're the one suffering now yeah and I didn't want to live like that anymore. And so I just said, I let it go. And when I did that, I remember it was the middle of the night. And I just thought, well, this gift closet that I, I, by the way, I came home and I emptied the whole thing out and said, I'm done with that. Yeah. That had remained empty. I said, I, I'm going to just pray for an idea just to come to me that I can fill this closet up with yeah. something. And when I said that, I opened my uh, a drawer in my bedroom And inside of it were a lot of cuffs, bracelets that I had collected over the years working at American Airlines when I would travel to different states as a memory of that state. And I thought, you know what? I'm going to teach myself how to make bracelets and put words on there that I really would have wanted to wear when I was going through the last, you know, six, five, six years of my life. And I, from that point on, I became obsessed with how do you make bracelets? How do you dye leather? How do you engrave? What kind of quotes can I put on there? And I'm sure you know what this is like, but anything that you have a fire to start, like if it's Mm -hmm. something, let's say it's a craft, you go to Hobby Lobby. I don't know if you have Hobby Lobbies there, but a craft. Something similar, yeah. Every single thing on every shelf that has to do with that thing. And you, you, it's all you can think of. It's an obsession. Obsession. I was so obsessed with making cuffs that I, nothing else mattered because I was, you know why is because I was alive again and hadn't known how asleep I had been. And that is such a powerful thing when you wake up because now you're a force to be reckoned with. And I never your, never your, your light just, it didn't just like slowly simmer back up. It turned on. Yeah. Right. And now it, it was on, on and you had to do something with it. Yeah. Yeah. That's so I, I started, mm-hmm. I started making bracelets, teaching myself. I mean, they were, they were not good, but they were, but they were something like I just okay. started. They were not, they were not good. Now they're sort of in this little museum. Uh, yeah. that I have for <laughs> but I just started filling the closet back up with the things that were bringing me joy again. And until okay. this closet got full, uh, I really didn't, I really Farah, did not want to start a business because to me, again, it meant you have to, I wanted, I wanted to stay right in the land of get to, but as it turns out, the, the land of get to, as I moved forward, never, never changed. It still stayed the land of get to just because I started mm-hmm. this business. It didn't change back. The vehicle is on, you know, starting a business, but it's still that yeah. you get to. Yeah. And when so, I look so back- how did you st- like, so you're making these bracelets now you're filling up this closet, you're getting to do what is lighting you up. And then how does that transition to then a business? 
Well, if it would have been up to me, and I, I mean, it was up to me, but I, I, I was so against starting a biz, like starting a big business that I really just wanted to stay online and just put okay. some bracelets up online that people just like on an Etsy, an Etsy shop. Mm-hmm. Do you, you know, okay. Yeah. Because I'm easily controllable that way. And, yeah. and I did this thing where I had this whiteboard in my room and I just said, okay, I'm going to write down every person that I've watched on TV in the middle of the night as I've been making these bracelets and I'm going to make cuffs for all of them, okay. five or six for each one, personalize them and I'll send them all out in one day. So I picked 20 people. Okay. This was just for fun. Now listen, when yeah. you, there's freedom in doing things when you don't have to do them. And because this wasn't a job that I had to do to survive, there's a lot of freedom when you can just be creative Without absolutely without like having without needing some sort of return or or whatnot. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. for for a couple of months, I made I would research these people and I would, you know, did they just have a baby? Like I did Miranda Lambert. She lived in Oklahoma. Um, and I did, I mean, you name it. I everybody that I would DVR during the day and watch at night, all these people on the news that I would watch and shows, I had 20 boxes that I had somebody make for me so it didn't look like I was in my back bedroom. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I put five five to six boxes in each one of them. And I called it my blitz day. And on one day I just sent them all out FedEx, all of them for fun, for fun. And having been a law school professor before, um, I would write letters to their agents. And the second line would say, or the first line, my name is Jill Donovan. I am a adjunct law school professor. And Mm -hmm. I, on the side, make bracelets. Can I send some to your clients? So they weren't threatened. I didn't say I need to see them wearing it. Yeah. It was just like, what can I send? They gave me their addresses. And so I had this contact point for almost all of them. Mm-hmm. And then within a few days, because I FedEx them, I would turn on the TV and I would see people on the Today Show wearing them. I'd open up a Country Weekly. Wow. I remember there was a 10 page spread of Miranda Lambert and she wearing in on five different pages. She had five different rustic cups. Mm-hmm. And I was in awe how in the world does this happen I'm just doing this because I love it and then they're wearing it and it's showing up in magazines and on tv like this is exciting and it's not because they I'm not saying they weren't good because I I really did like them it's if you get a bracelet and it has your child's name on it like there's some bad luck if you throw it away yeah it's a a personalized one-of-a-kind gift that no one else will have yeah right and, and so that kept happening. And the more that kept happening, I just started giving them away to people. And the more I gave away, people would come back and say, well, I'm going to buy this for my sisters. You know, she's having a baby or she just lost a baby. And, and it would mean so much if you could do this. And, mm-hmm. and I just kept doing this. The more I gave away, the more people would come back and say, mm-hmm. I want to buy them. You couldn't give them away fast enough. This is so beautiful though, right? Because you were never doing it necessarily initially to monetize, but because you were doing it from such a genuine place and a place from within that you're like, this is what I'm called to do. The abundance just sort of seemed to follow with it. Yeah. And, and really the minute, if if it would have been because I have to do this, then Mm. you begin to hold so tightly to it that your decision-making is marred by the fact that it becomes, I have to do this to survive. And there are a lot, and I mean, there, there are lots and lots of people who are in that situation. I've been, I get it. I get it. Yeah. Beauty in the freedom of just getting to do something because without any limits, and I don't mean dollar limits without any limits of trying to please I didn't anyone. Have to please anybody because yeah. I loved it 
And yeah. so that's, it took off, it took off from there in a way that I, uh, I don't even know how to describe yeah. how it took off. Well, for our audience, you know, Jill is being quite modest. It didn't just take off, you know, Rustic Cuff is now sold in over 200 stores. You have five of your own retail locations, I believe. Like it's pretty, pretty incredible. I'm actually wearing, you know, I know this is a podcast, but at Jill's talk in Chicago, where I met her, she gifted me a bracelet. So I'm wearing it now. It's beautiful, but I like this idea, you know, your, your philosophy within your company is really based on also giving. So I think I saw somewhere that your, your customers generally, yes, they're buying one for themselves, but they're also buying for others almost equally, if not more so. Right. Yeah. We would have, well, you, you know, if you model something, then people, in other words, if, if we gift cuffs to people, they know that feeling and then yeah. they in turn want to have somebody else feel like that. And it became this um, little teeny match that we lit that became this forest fire that was so overwhelming from a girl who had zero desire to be an entrepreneur, nor did I ever, listen, I went to college for four years and never had any desire to be an RA or a leader. Mm -hmm. I mean, you're, you're naturally a leader sometimes in friendship groups, but you know why I didn't want it? Because I didn't want the responsibility of what that brought with it. I just wanted yeah. to enjoy life. But but when you're called to do something, I believe that you are then, as you move forward into it, you're, you begin to be equipped with what you need for that. It definitely was not all deposited to me on day one. No, that, no. That and I think the right people show up when you step up to that next level. Like it's sometimes you're on a step and you can't see what's on the next step. But once yeah. you say yes, and you just say, I'm going to move forward, then everything is on that next step that you need all the people, yeah. the resources, the tools. So, you know what I love though, about your story, just, you know, in, in case it's lost on any of our listeners, you know, you took this thing of the re-gifting that happened on the Oprah show where you got, you know, totally destroyed in, in, in your mind. I don't think that you were, but you know, right. for you, this was real and you built a business on gifting, you mm. know, and then people then, you know, also gifting. Right. And so it's, yeah. I love to say, and I think for a lot of us, you know, as entrepreneurs, often you can build a business out of, you know, the saying your, your mess is your message. You know, and that's sort of what you did. And I'd love for you to just share this full circle moment when yeah. you saw Gail King wearing a rustic cuff bracelet. Yeah. Uh, oh, not Gail King. Sorry. You tell the story because I'm botching it. You gifted a, a, a bracelet to Gail King. And then what yeah. happened? It's really fun just hearing you tell the story. I can sit back and just. <laughs> and have, right. So uh, three years after rustic cuff got started. And by the way, they're not all, they're not all rustic. You just it, yeah. You yeah. named it rustic. That's what it was initially, not knowing it would evolve into other things. But mm -hmm. I had gifted, Gail King was one of the 20 that I had initially sent out. And she used to wear this bracelet on her morning show on CBS. Mm -hmm. And then I got a letter in the mail from Oprah, from Oprah's people. And it said, congratulations, Jill, you've been chosen to be on the wrist of Oprah on her March issue. And they sent me a copy of it. And when I looked at the issue, she was wearing the cuff that I had sent to Gail King. And she, Gail regifted. Gifted a cuff to Oprah. And it became this this I, I when I saw it, I I cried a little bit because 
I mean, good tears that it became this full circle moment that I went years before that, when I was on the show and left the show in tears, just from the loss of this hope, had I not had, if you could see what's around the corner, you wouldn't die on the inside because you would keep moving Mm. forward, knowing there is something. The only way you don't realize that is if you stop and people stop short of what is around the corner. And when I looked at the magazine, I thought, I'm so glad that I started back again and became alive because if I wouldn't have, I would not have had this moment as I'm looking at this beautiful full circle moment now. You know, when you shared this, you know, at the, at the conference in Chicago, it literally gave me chills because to imagine this real point of pain specifically with Oprah, and now she's wearing this bracelet that you were just sort of called to start making. It's, it's, it's really incredible. And you know, I, I find that even for me, this podcast, for example, is one of those things I get to do. Like mm-hmm. I did not start this to monetize on it or anything like not at all. I've just been, I love sitting down and telling people stories and, and whatnot, mm-hmm. but even for me to be able to attend the conference and then have something, I, I didn't know I was going to meet you. And I didn't know that I was going to have a platform I could then offer to have you on to then share your story. But I just started this podcast. I mean, I had my mom on one of my initial episodes because she's an entrepreneur. Like I had my friend circle, but now I have this platform that is expanding to having amazing, amazing guests like yourself on here. And so it's just, sometimes you start, and like you said, you don't know where it's going to take you, but it can take you to beautiful, beautiful places. Right. Yeah. And people don't start because they don't know where it's going to go. And there are a lot of minds who think I need to know where this is going to go before I start. And to that, I would say, but you must start before you see where it's going to go. Because if you, if you, if you don't start, you will absolutely never know what is around the corner. And, and a lot of times it is so much greater than we could have imagined, but discouragement, discouragement and despair become the very things that you do not want to get out of bed for. And that is the thing that will keep you down is the memory of what happened to you before. And so you stop starting and you stop trying. And it's hard when you've been knocked down a couple times and very discouraged. It's, I mean, it's easy to stay in bed because it is. Yeah. And and I, I always say like, there's this saying that I, I, give to myself. And it's kind of what I've used to start anything in life, which is you don't have to be great to start, but Mm. you do have to start to be great. And, and I shared that actually with a, a male friend of mine. And he said, that's really good. But what if you also didn't put the pressure on of having to be great that you're Mm. just starting and you're going to do it no matter what the outcome is. Right. Because like, that can also be like, Oh, now I have to, I'm going to start this. I'm going to eventually be great at it. And this is something I love about you. So um, Jill also shared at this conference that she starts kind of a new hobby every year. And I'm assuming you don't start it thinking I'm going to be like the best ever roller skater. Right. Um, But, you know, it's it's led you to do some pretty, pretty cool things. So I I think sometimes it's just like start, start something new. Don't worry about where it it ends, you know, ends up taking you. Do it, yeah. do something you just really enjoy. Right. And I mean, for you now, you're a podcast host, motivational speaker, author, mother, wife, entrepreneur, like 
you know, obviously you've had challenges along the way. You've had some personal ones, professional ones, like, you know, what is really your driving force? Mm. Like what gets you up? I know, you know, you get to do these things, but Mm -hmm. what is it that drives you each day? You know, all those things that you just said, you made a great point. You do not have to even have the ambition to be great at any of that. I mean, because of all the 42 years of hobbies and even being a wife, a mother, an author, I can't say that any of them, that I am excellent. It really, I mean, actually I'm a magician this year and I am an excellent magician. Okay. I mean, I, that, I'd, I'd love to like, you know, if this was full video format, we could, yeah. we could do some tricks yes. on, on camera. <laughs> but, but for the most part, the, the goal is not to be excellent when I'm just doing something for 365 years, it is to learn something new and move forward. And I think what gets me continued, uh, mm, what inspires me each day to continue doing this is this, this is such a short life that we live. I do not want to die without having really lived. Mm. And, and I don't want to get stuck. We, if you're 52, like I am, you've been through a lot of a lot of discouraging moments, unless you're living in a hole. And then that's discouraging in and of itself to live in a hole. But if you, if you are over the age of, I mean, 20, you have gone through some difficult times and disappointments. The key is to not stay there because you're not alone. Everybody has. And so when I, when I look at my life and I look backwards, I now realize that every valley that I've been through, every discouragement, every moment of despair, all of these things, they're not wasted. I, mm-hmm. even the hard parts, even breaking up with boys that just, I thought I was going to marry this one. Those mm-hmm. are hard moments when you are 18. Yeah. All yeah. of those things. I can say that that makes a difference in my life today if I don't get stuck in it. And yeah. what gets me out of bed is that there's so much more to do in life. I don't have to achieve anything. I don't need any medals or awards. It is only what goal am I setting for me? And it becomes this this hope that is birthed inside of you that other people cannot birth. You have to, that's that's why I do a new hobby every year because I know that by my December 31st self will look back at my January 1st self and say, Jill, Thank you for giving 10 minutes to that every day, because by the end of the year, if I do that, I have invested 60 straight hours of 60.8. Just by 10 minutes, you're saying a day for, wow. Yeah. Yeah. And and doing something for 60 hours, like nonstop, you you can't not learn something about yourself. You cannot make, uh, you will, you will make new friends just because you'll be attracted to a new group of people that are doing that you will get unstuck from uh you'll get you will get unstuck from something because you are you are not looking back you're looking forward Mm -hmm. and most of us if we're not looking forward we're either looking back or we are looking where we are right now and you cannot stagnant yeah yeah you're just looking down you're looking you're looking at the here and now and when you are alive with hope for something that is not, but could be, that is when the extraordinary can occur. I want to go around and wake people up in a really nice way and say, you cannot change what happened to you before. You cannot change the 10 times that something happened to you, but that doesn't define 
the person that you are or that you are going to become. I want to drag people out of the quicksand. And one of the ways I know to do that is say, here, I'm going to put in your hand something new for you to try because it's going to give you this confidence that you've been craving that you haven't had. And that little bit of confidence, you will then move forward and move forward. And I want to, I like literally want to go buy an art kit for everybody and harmonica. And I want to do these things that people, people just wouldn't normally do. Yeah. So I, I love what you have shared there because I think that when we're living our life, we're in those really stuck moments. We're often sort of reminiscing on the past, the past hurts, the past challenges, instead of saying like, what is something that can move me forward, change my state and something, something as simple as let me just take up a hobby can be the thing that has you start looking forward again. Right. And I think it's such a great, you know, really great way to think about it. Um, so thank you for sharing that. I, I do, I do wish sometimes I could go around and shake people too, especially when you're like, I see your potential. I see your light. I see your gift. You just need to shift your state a bit and see what's ahead of you because, you know, in your story and even in in mine, uh, you know, I've shifted careers. I'm, you know, now helping other women to become entrepreneurs. I never would have thought this is the life I'd get to live. Mm. Right. Like who would have thought some accountant in a real estate company would be doing this. Right. But you just, you know, and I, I actually like, I didn't spend a lot of time reminiscing on any of my past hurts. I mean, I've been divorced. I've yes, all of these things hurt, but when I just started to look forward, it's like, it's, it sounds a little cheesy, but it's like the curtains open, the light is shining in and it's, you know, it's, I know it sounds easier said than done for a lot of people who might be listening, but I'm telling you when you just keep practicing that muscle, it, it does become easier. And what's on the other side is very exciting. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so you, you know, I, I really love to share with people that it's important to, you know, build a life on purpose with purpose and to live with purpose. So you've also shared that you're, you know, a purpose-driven entrepreneur. What does that, what does that mean to you to be purpose-driven? Well, I, I don't want life to just happen to me. Mm-hmm. I want to happen to life, if that makes sense. And, um, you know, my faith is a very big part of everything that I do and how this company is run. And I have found that when I lead with the wrong motives, then things just go awry. And I have to have the right purpose and a plan for that purpose if I want to make an impact. Otherwise, I am swayed by every single storm that comes my way. And I don't want to wake up and think, is today going to be a day filled with storms? And which way am I going to go? Yeah, I want to be in charge of that. And one of the biggest ways to do that is is to take time every single morning with uh, by myself and and make a plan and have purpose. Always ask every day is what we're doing in this company and I have about 80 90 employees. Mm-hmm. What is what we are all doing for the right purpose and if not why are we doing this? Yeah. Uh, it's it is I mean having two children is a lot of responsibility but having that many people that you work with and that that you feel a response, a great responsibility to, I don't want to be doing it unless it is for a purpose. Yeah. And I 
my purpose, I know it's through bracelets. It could be through anything, but the purpose for this company is to gift hope. Mm -hmm. And yes, we do need revenue in order, in, uh, all companies uh, need revenue in order to move forward and innovate and do all of those things. But if we do it for that reason, then I, believe me, I'm much happier staying home. Yeah. Doing something where there is not so much responsibility on my shoulders. So if I don't keep the purpose in mind daily, hourly, mm -hmm. and I don't make a plan, how we're going to stick by that, then I'm blown by every storm that comes my way. Yeah. I, I love this because it's so easy to get swayed in this direction and this direction and the next shiny thing comes up and you're, but maybe if it's not actually moving forward, your purpose, your mission, the goal of the company, then, you know, it's just really a distraction. Mm -hmm. Right. And I like, I like to say, when you know that purpose, you can almost use it as a filter mm -hmm. of like, do I say yes to this or no to this? And do I, how do I plan my day knowing this is my purpose? Does what I'm doing today yeah. move that needle forward? Right. right. Is it aligned? Does it, you know, so it, 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 it can be loaded to think about what is my purpose, but I think when you spend some time really doing that and looking inward and then using that as your guiding light, it, you know, it gets you to some beautiful places, but it, it helps, it helps you to live with a bit more ease too, because yeah. until I knew my purpose, I felt at, like I wasn't at ease. You know, now that I know what I'm doing, I'm like, oh, this isn't hard. And what's going on over here and here and all these challenges and distractions is it doesn't matter when I know why I'm here and what I'm supposed to do today. Like, you know, yeah, yeah. because yeah. then you can say no in, in a much more comfortable way. Yeah. All the guilt that usually comes along with no, because if it doesn't align with what you're called to do, then why are you saying yes? You're Absolutely. saying yes, because you want to please somebody else or because you feel like, um, you, you know, they will be disappointed in you. But if you know your purpose, like you're talking about, your no is much, much easier. And you just said something, you talk about the shiny penny. I mean, and who mm -hmm. doesn't love shiny pennies? Yeah. But, and I, this is my 11th year of doing Rustic Cuff and shiny pennies, especially when you grow so fast, shiny pennies come along as you're growing. Shiny, mm -hmm. shinier oh, than yeah. the penny you had before. And what I've realized two things just because you can does not mean you should absolutely mm. does not mean you should just because the opportunity presents itself it may look like a great opportunity but it might not be your opportunity which is why you have to filter it through that purpose and the second thing is that shiny penny will will become not shiny anymore mm. i mean mm -hmm. all shiny pennies don't stay shiny, shiny forever. They, yeah. yeah. No, they don't stay shiny forever. So mm -hmm. I, I realized that when you look at it, you have to, you have to realize that is not going to, um, that is not going to stay that way and mm -hmm. keep that in perspective as you are saying, yeah, give me the shiny penny or let's go get that one. Yeah. Fair enough. You know, Jill, you have dropped so many amazing nuggets of sort of wisdom here with our audience today. Do you have any specific advice for anyone who's listening that might be considering, you know, an entrepreneurial path or maybe they're already on one, but do, do you have any specific advice for them? You know, I would say, um, yes. I mean, I've got, I got lots in my head, that yeah. wants to come out. but if I could, if I could give one piece of advice to people who are considering 
shifting from where they are to something new. Mm-hmm. I would say when the grace lifts for what you're doing, it, that is when it would be time to shift. When the grace lifts, it's time to shift. And the question you ask yourself is, has the grace lifted completely for this thing? Or am I just in a state of annoyance for what I'm doing? Mm-hmm. And time can tell you this because over time, you, if you know yourself and if you spend, like you said, you spend, you spend time in it, this cannot be based on an emotion mm-hmm. because that might mean on Tuesday, you feel like yeah. starting your own company and leaving everything behind. And Thursday, you're like, nope, it's not time. So this yeah. cannot be based on, you don't make a decision when you have a glass of wine, mm-hmm. you, something like this. And you don't make a decision when you're in the depths of despair, because those will be based on the wrong emotion. Yeah. Yeah. You have to make it from sort of a grounded place where you're thinking clearly, but yeah. Oh, I love, I love that. And I said it, I set a timeframe for myself. And I think Mm -hmm. I, I talked about this a little bit, not, not in this, not in, in, on this Avenue, I set a timeframe and this gives you the freedom to not have to make a decision tonight. Right. Mm -hmm. Like if I'm, if I'm being drawn towards starting my own company and leaving something secure behind. If you're being pressured to make that decision, again, you're going to be basing it off of pressure and emotions. If you set a a space for you to sit in it for a while Mm -hmm. and ponder the good, the bad, and by the time you get to that date, and I actually set a, I actually pull my calendar out and I set a date Mm -hmm. and I say, okay, Jill, I'm going to give you, you know, you're going to give yourself four weeks and you're going to sit in it. So there's no pressure. That means you're not making a decision based on fear. When I get to that date, nine times out of 10, I it will have happened before I even hit that date. The yeah. yes or the no internally will have happened before I get to that date. If you spend time in it, you can't just set a date and not spend time pondering. And Interacting it. with it. Yeah, yeah. But you got to set some sort of a goal Why? by when you are going to make this decision, open-ended decisions, you, you will probably just stay where you are because it's yeah. easier. The but the universe doesn't time. deal with the, the, like, um, sort of that place of in between it's pretty black and white, yeah. right? Like once yeah. you make a decision, then the next thing can show up. But until you make that decision, the next thing doesn't know what to do. It can't be attracted to you. Right. Right. Yeah. So I love I, that. Yeah. I like just setting a date and saying, Okay, I don't know what the answer is going to be, but I'm going to sit in it and I'm not going to pressure myself. And something miraculous happens when you take the pressure off of having to do it this very moment. Mm-hmm. I will never make decisions well when you're forcing yeah. me right there. It's and it's, it's something miraculous happens. And then when you get on the other side of it, you're like, yep, that was that was the right decision because I yep. spent enough time without pressure. Yeah, that's a very, very good advice, especially for people can, you know, thinking about starting an entrepreneurial journey. It's a right. big decision to make. So right. sit with it, you know, yeah, give yourself exactly. some time. I love that. Yeah. All right. Last question here. And I, I like, I always like to know what my guests are listening to, you know, you're also a, you know, podcast host, you're an author. So I especially want to know, you know, what you have in your ears. That's obviously not your, your own material. Right, right. Um, you know, last year, my hobby was memorizing things. Okay. And so I listened to a lot of uh, different podcasts about how to exercise your mind in ways that nobody is thinking of because we're so busy. And 
I, I, I like to listen to obscure podcasts that not everybody else is because if everybody else is listening to it, it usually ends up in a TikTok or a reel in 30 seconds and I can see it there. Yeah, true. I want to listen to the, to the things that people aren't. So mine are all, mine are not the typical mainstream podcast, sure. even though I can listen to plenty of uh, entrepreneur and leadership podcasts. I, I love those, Yeah, but I need a break mentally sometimes from that path that I'm on and mm -hmm. I want to think completely different. So uh, that is what I am. Um, that is what I am listening I love to that. right now. Well, yeah. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that. And as we wrap up here, you know, how can our listeners continue to engage with you online? And we'll be sure to add, you know, all of your, your accounts to our show notes. Sure. I, uh, I have a website. Well, there's rusticcuff.com and then there's jilldonovan.com. Okay. And I do a blog every Monday, which goes up on jilldonovan.com or you can subscribe to, it and it comes to you. Instagram. Awesome. Rusty Cup and then Instagram, just Jill Donovan, which is just kind of my fun thing. Um, Perfect. Yeah. So all those. Thank you so much, Jill. Uh, it has been such a pleasure sitting down in conversation with you. I easily could have kept chatting with you, but I, I am so appreciative of your time today. So thank you very much. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Futura Talks. I hope it has left you inspired and motivated to pursue your dreams, find your calling, and follow your heart in your life and business. If you enjoyed this conversation, it would mean so much to me if you would consider leaving a review and better yet, sharing this episode with someone who will be inspired to start building their own Futura. Be sure to subscribe so you don't miss an episode and I will see you next week.